1: Hey
0: everybody! Welcome to Take Off with John Clark, and please rate and review the podcast and subscribe for free wherever you listen to your podcast. And take a look at our special guest, Devonte Smith. And, and man, I gotta tell you, you have some clean suits that you wore to the draft and coming to Philly.
2: Thank you, thank you.
0: You're a big fashion guy, right? You're into fashion.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. Anytime I can put a suit on, I'm going to put one on.
0: Well, you are good at it, and congrats on being drafted. And I wanted to ask you, I saw your family there, and I saw inside your suit jacket, you had your family with you there. Um, How special was this, especially coming from a small town like you did?
2: I mean, it it meant a lot. I mean, not a lot of people where I'm from get this opportunity. So, I mean, for the community, it's just like... I did it for them. And it's just like, this is our hero, hometown hero. So, I mean, like, he, he's the one that's going to start it off and hopefully many more come behind me.
0: People have talked about your competitive spirit. When did you first get it in your mind as a kid that you could be in the NFL someday?
2: Um, really, NFL didn't come until really college. That's when I really started thinking about it because basketball was always my first love. My whole family played basketball. And, I mean, that's just what I was around all the time.
0: So how come you chose football over basketball then?
2: Because um, once I got like junior in high school, I started realizing I got to do what's best for me and not just what I wanted to do. Football, what was what best for me, but basketball is just what I wanted to do.
0: And I read how you would get up at uh, 6 a.m. and you would run up hills, kind of like Jerry Rice, and then I, I believe you did push-ups even the- in the middle of classes. Where did it come from inside of you that you wanted this so bad and you wanted to be great?
2: I mean, when you want to be great, it's just the little things like that that you have to do. Just putting in a little extra work, doing something every every now and then. But I mean, like, that's just me just loving what I do. I mean, I love working out. I love playing football. So that's just me just finding a way to make something happen.
0: You love the process and all the work? Yes, sir. Everybody talks about your work ethic, and you're joining Jalen Hurts again. Who... How works the other? Is it possible to say? Because we know Jalen Hurts is the first one in and he's the last to leave.
2: Um, I think it works hand-to-hand. I mean, when you have somebody like that working, it just makes you want to work more. So, I mean, like, it works hand-to-hand because it's like he's pushing me and I'm pushing him. Both of us are coming together to make each other better, to want to be the first ones here, want to be the last ones to leave.
0: How special is it in this transition to the pros that you have Jalen here And you have that comfort level, you know, being his teammate there.
2: Um, It's it's real special. I mean, you coming, I'm coming to Philadelphia, I mean, my first time here. So, I mean, having somebody that I've known since I was a recruit in high school that I can relate to if I have something going on, somebody I can talk to, just having somebody that I feel comfortable with here.
0: Is it pretty wild when you think of the story that he hosted you on your recruiting visit and now your teammates here at the pro level?
2: Yeah, that's that's crazy. I mean, from high school, him just get me to come to the University of Alabama and then like now in NFL and like this is who, who's here with me.
0: What is your bond like with him? And what was that conversation like with him talking about you making it
2: here and drafted to his team? I mean, it's great. I mean, we both know that this is something that we've talked about. We both know that we've been working for this opportunity just to be in the NFL for a long time. So, once I got the call and then um I realized like I'm going to Philly and then he FaceTime me. It was just like, man, we talked about this and like it actually happened.
0: It is pretty wild. Um what are you going to bring to the Eagles offense, your skill set?
2: Um somebody that's just that can do everything. I mean, I'm going to go out there every day. I'm going to work hard. Whatever they need me to do, I'm going to do it.
0: And Nick Sirianni says he would like to move you all over the place. Do you love to hear that? Yes, sir. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that uh, in college football, you were number one at beating press coverage. Uh, considering your size and everything, how did you become so good at that?
2: I mean, whatever you do at practice translates to the game. That's what I. That's how I feel, and I believe it's true. So um, just going against Pat Sertain every day, just getting that look Every day consistently made me ready for the games and made the games 10 times easier.
0: And how about facing those SEC corners all the time? Most definitely. All right. So what about one-on-one? I believe you were the best at one-on-one, winning one-on-ones. How did you get so good at that as well?
2: Um, I think it's just me knowing my skill set, knowing what I'm good at, knowing what I'm comfortable with. So, I mean... A lot of things in football is um, more of what you're comfortable with. You're, you're a certain type of player, so you have to stick to what you're good at. So, I mean, like, me just getting in space, me just being so technical with everything, that's what I'm good at. So, I just stuck with it.
0: And some of your biggest moments, your m- most productive moments, were in the biggest games, the national championship games, the biggest moments. How are you able to thrive in those pressure-packed moments?
2: I mean, I've been doing this all my life. I mean, no matter what the situation is, basketball, football, um, I've been doing this for a long time, and it's just like I want to be in that moment. The one time that I did kind of like shy away from it, one of my teammates, actually my best friend, we um, we played basketball together. Um, Playoff game, we lost by two. Um, Last seconds, I passed the ball to somebody for an open jumper, and uh, they missed it. And right after the game, he came to me. He was like, you know that's your moment. He was like, I don't care if it had four people on you. I still wanted you to shoot it because that's your moment. That's what you live for. So, I mean, that's when I just felt like I'm built for this moment. This is what I've been doing. I, I, I'll never shy away from it again.
0: That's a great story. So you want that ball in those biggest moments? Yes, sir. How about Nick Sirianni? Uh, have you had a chance to meet meet him yet? Yes, sir. What is he like? What was that like? Uh, with the way he's going
2: to use you in his offense, um, he's a competitive guy. I mean, everything is about competing, just um, competing, and just going out there, just doing doing what you do. Um, if you're if you're out here and you make it a good play, he's going to be hyped about it. If you're not doing what you're supposed to do, he's going to get on you, and that's what I like the most. I, I like somebody that's going to get on me even when I'm not doing right. So, um, just him being that type of coach, I mean, I'm excited.
0: And Nick talked about. Uh, having you all over the formation, but he talked about your football IQ and that he thinks you can handle all that. Do you think you can jump right into the NFL and learn all those spots and positions?
2: Uh, yes, sir. I mean, I did it in college. I mean, when you come in, I mean, you you want to learn everything because all it takes is one person to go down and you playing something else. So, I mean, this past year, I mean, I played everything. I mean, whatever personnel we was in, I was in a, at a certain position. So, I mean, it didn't matter why I was at on the field. I always knew what to do.
0: And we've seen some of those incredible one-handed catches that you've made. How much did your basketball background really help you with
2: that? Um, basketball and football work hand in hand I mean, when you're going up for a rebound, it's just like you're going up high-pointing the football. And I mean, just like the physicality of football, you, you'll bring that to the basketball court.
0: Now, of course, I know you hate talking about it. People always say, well, he doesn't have the size or he's too thin. What do you really think about when you hear that? Is it a motivating factor for you?
2: Um, I don't need critics um, for me to be motivated. I mean, I'm I'm self-motivated. Just because somebody doubt me doesn't mean they're going to motivate me. I mean, I'm going to be motivated regardless, with or without that. But I mean, everybody, that's their job. Their job is to make up a story. So I can't get mad at them for doing their job. I mean, they do their job. I'm just going to answer the question and just move on from it.
0: And Nick Sirianni talked about your toughness, and he used the term play strength. Do you know what he's talking about? Like, do you play stronger?
2: Um, Yeah, I mean, some people look at it and just look at my size and be like, oh, he's not, he's not strong. But um, it's a difference between weight room strong and just football strong. And I believe I'm just football strong. I mean, when I go out there on the field, you're not going to just manhandle me. Like, I just have football strength.
0: Was there a time when you were younger where you were manhandled at sometimes, and you and you grew strength from that.
2: Uh, I would say my freshman year in high school, um, that was my first time actually like getting hit. Like I went across the middle, of it and the dude just flatlined. and I mean, I just popped up, and then I, that's when I just kind of realized like I'm gonna be real with you. I haven't taken a taken a hit that was harder than that since then. Since my freshman year in high school, nobody's ever hit me that hard since. So um. Just knowing, like that's when I got it out of my head, and I was when it happened. I was just like, "It's no way nobody ever hit me that hard again."
0: Wow! And, and former Eagles great and, and Eagles analyst Mike Quick, one of the things he said he loves about you is watching you, and you're not afraid in traffic to catch that football. Um, where do you think you got that from? Was that was that moment a part of it?
2: Um, yeah, most definitely. And then I was always told that um, you're going to get hit if you catch it or not, so you might as well just catch it.
0: And that's one of the things they also talk about is you don't drop the football. How how good did you get consistently catching the football and how much does it mean to you to be that dependable?
2: I mean, as a receiver, your job is to get open and catch the ball. So, I mean, like, with that being the main priority, you have to be able to do that to play wide receiver. You have to be able to catch the ball. So, um, just every day, just getting on the drug machine. I mean, sometimes you'll go practice without catching a pass. It's just like that day, the ball just didn't come to you. Sometimes you'll go practice and you'll catch a of passes so just knowing that at least I get 100 passes every day off the jug machine
0: and your legendary coach Nick Saban when he was asked about your size he said you pound for pound maybe you're the toughest and best player he's ever coached what does it mean to you when such a legendary coach says that about you
2: I mean it means a lot because just know that's that's how I see myself um that's just how I am I mean when I was younger i I stay right on side of a park. So I always hear the older guys like out there playing basketball. And I mean, I was the only one with a good basketball. So I go over there and just be like, if I I don't play, y'all don't play because y'all don't have a basketball. So I mean, like, and I just always had that dog in me just to never back down from nobody and just being with them, them roughing me up. It just made me who I am today.
0: I got to tell you, listening to you, what you just said, it sounds a lot like a guy that they used to talk about pound for pound here in Philly, Allen Iverson. (laughs) <laughs> what do you know about AI? Is he inspiring to you?
2: Oh, uh, most definitely. I've heard um, people, a couple people, tell me I remind them of. I remind them of him just because of like the dog that I have. Just because like you're undersized, but like no matter what, you're not gonna back down from nobody.
0: Does that give you a chip on your
2: shoulder? Do you think? Um, I think it's more of just like that's just me. That's just me being me. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say it gives me a chip on my shoulder because that's who I am. If it was me not being that person and trying to become that tough person, then it will be like, I have a chip on my shoulder to get there, but I mean, that's who I am.
0: Do you think you would have worked as hard as you have if, if you had a body like DK Metcalf, or do you think it's giving you
2: that extra juice? Uh, I think even if I did have a body like that, I still think I would have worked that hard just because that's that's how I am. I mean, I see my mom my mom started working two jobs at one point. So I just seen how hard she was working just to have a roof over my head to feed me and my younger brother. So, I mean, that was just always in me because I seen her do it. I seen my pops do it. I just seen them do it for so long. It just was in me.
0: How often do you think of your mom and her work ethic and also your dad when you're, when you're going through a tough time or when it's, it's getting really tough on a football field?
2: Um, I think of them, them every day. I mean, every day before I go out and practice field, I think of my why. I get down on knee. I pray before I go to every practice and then I think of my wife why, why I'm here doing this. So I mean they come to mind every time I go out there and step on the football field.
0: That's really cool to hear. Uh, are there certain NFL receivers that you study and watch and even take some things from them?
2: Um Keenan and Allen, DeVonte Adams, just um the attention to detail, the route running, the releases, them being in the right place at the right time. I mean, just everything that they do it, it reminds me of myself.
0: And how about your selflessness? I mean, I hear stories that you were still volunteering to be the gunner on special teams. I mean, uh, a lot of people say, why? Why are you doing that?
2: Um, It's fun, actually. I mean, that's a chance for me to go make a tackle and be able to hit somebody. I mean, they took away, like, box rules and all that. So that was just a chance for me just to tee off on somebody. So, I mean, I love doing it.
0: So as the guy who, you know, because of your speed, a lot of times they're not able to catch you, but you kind of get jealous sometimes of you you see DBs and the way they're able to hit guys on the football field?
2: Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, I say that all the time. Like, they're able to hit us, but we can't hit them. So I'm going to find a way around it. (laughs)
0: Uh, By the way, nicknames. Um, I hear a bunch of nicknames. Um, Smitty, but also the uh, Slim Reaper. I mean, do you like that, or should we leave that behind at Alabama?
2: (laughs) I mean, y'all can come me whatever y'all want. I mean, I love both of them.
0: And uh, big NBA fan, or, is it true that you're a Celtics fan? Yes, sir. All right, is there any way, I mean, Sixers-Celtics, that's one of the biggest rivalries in Philadelphia sports. Is there any way they can get you to a Sixers game and they can convert you to being a Sixers fan?
2: Um, You can for sure get me to the game. Convert me? Uh, I don't know about that one. <laughs>
0: A um, couple more questions to wrap it up. I, I know you also like to cook. Um, tell me about some of the things you like to cook, and I also saw you tweet out about the best cheesesteak place in Philly. I'm sure you've gotten some suggestions, but uh, do you think you're going to get used to some Philly food?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, the Philly food, I mean, wherever you go, you have to adapt. Um, that's what's around here. That's the culture around here. So, I mean, of course, I'm going to have to adapt to what they eat around here, But um, my go-to is jambalaya and red beans and rice. I mean, Louisiana, boy, I mean, you you don't get that type of stuff unless you in Louisiana or close to it. So, I mean, that's something that I, I have to for sure cook on my own up here because I know there's nobody up here making nothing like that.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, does Jalen love it too?
2: See, if you go to Houston, they, they cook stuff like that. So that's the one person I can't depend on to make something like that.
0: I love it. I can see someday you guys opening up your own restaurant here in Philly. We
2: we might have to think about that.
0: <laughs> By the way, how amazed have you been with the reaction? I don't know if you've seen the videos of the Eagles fans in their houses, in their dorm rooms, everywhere, jumping up and down when the Eagles drafted you. What do you know about this fan base and how happy does that make you?
2: I mean, it's, it's wild just to see, like, that's how people react to you. That's what people think of you. So, um, it it shows that I'm doing all the right things and people are looking at me and that everything that I'm showing people is the right thing. And I mean, um, I heard that this is a wild fan base, but if they're with you, they're with you. And I mean, if you love football, you'll want to be at a place like this.
0: Well, we love to hear that. By the way, uh, you know, there was a big thing here in Philly about Nick Sirianni. Um, he, He joked that he would play rock, paper, scissors, with some of the draft picks over Zoom. Did he play any fun games with you to try to figure out your competitiveness?
2: We played rock, paper, scissors. You did? Yeah. Did you beat him? Yeah, I won.
0: You never know. Maybe that's why you're here, right? (laughs) It might be. All right. Now, I hear you have some experience with rock, paper, scissors. Is it true because of just how dynamic? Uh Uh-oh, I can see... I can see you know it's coming, um, Rugs, Judy, all you guys that you would actually play rock paper scissor- scissors
2: before a play. Uh, we did it one time, but the craziest thing about it, we did that and neither one of us got the ball. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it that the winner would would run a deep route or the loser would run a deep route? Um, the winner would run the route that we think the ball was going to. So it was a play, it was a shot play. So we was like, okay we probably going to throw the deep route. So we played Judy one, and then turns out neither one of those got the ball.
0: <laughs> See, you won, but I mean, you didn't get to uh, get the uh, reward, huh? Yeah. Wow. Well, I got to tell you, it's, it's a pleasure talking to you. And we wish you the very best. And congrats. You're a tremendous story. And all we hear about is your work ethic and competitiveness. When you come here to Philly, um, you know Philly is very competitive with everything. Um, do you kind of feel you have, like, a a real connection with the city because of just how competitive you are and how great you want to be?
2: Um, what's crazy about it is me and um, Christian Baltimore, we was talking about it because he's from Philly. And me, him, and his mentor was talking about it. His mentor was telling me, like, man, Philly will love you just because of, like, the underdog story about you being small and then just you being scrappy. He was like, that's Philly. And he was like, man, if you go to Philly, they'll love you. And then, like, when I got here... Yeah, I was just like, it's crazy that we talked about that and like, now I'm here. And I seen him in the lobby this morning. He was like, anytime you need me, you in Philly, like you got my number, call me. He was like, I told you that's where you was going to be at.
0: I'll tell you, you got a lot of connections here already. Congrats to you. And we can't wait to see you on the field. Thanks for your time.
1: Thank you for having. Who oh, am I'm the greatest. Who oh, am I'm so flagrant.
0: All right, let's bring in the Eagles greatest. General Manager Howie Roseman. Oh, and Howie, flagrant. I first want to go back to the first night of the draft, and you're sitting there at twelve, and did you know the Giants were going to take Devonte Smith ahead of you?
1: Well, you can't really know who anyone's going to take. You know, you see all these smoke streams before the draft, and everyone puts them out, and and you, you could, your mind could play tricks on you, like that Ghetto Boy song, John. You know, and so uh, I think what you do is you figure out on your board who you really want. And we had a miserable season last year, like miserable, right? And we're in the middle of a pandemic, and everyone had tough times, and I hope everyone's families are doing great, but. Uh, we came out of last week, and we're in all these meetings, and we're saying, like, let's at least get something great out of this season. And who is that? Who are the type of players and people that we can grow with, and say, you know what, this was miserable, but this is what we got. And and the last time we ha- we had a year like that, you know, we we were able to get Lane Johnson and Zach Ertz, and, and they they were they helped us win that trophy, you know. So we wanted to get players and people like that in this moment. And uh, we want to get Devontae Smith. We want to get him on this football team because of what kind of player he is, what kind of person he is. And we feel like when you you have that kind of character, when you're that kind of person, you raise the level of play of everyone else. And that's what he's going to do to that receiver room and the players on offense. That's what Landon Dickerson's going to do. And when you get that and everyone's rising to that level and everyone's maintaining their ability to play at the level that they have in their body, that's when you become a good football team. Wow, you're coming with Nick
0: Sirianni energy, huh?
1: I think I've always had this energy, John Clark. You know, I've always been like this, but I, 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 we play off each other well.
0: I like it. All right, so yeah. so when you're trying to get up to get your guy, Devontae Smith, and you're calling the Dallas Cowboys a division rival, do you think that they're going to make a deal, or was it kind of already set up like you alluded to? You set up some deals or possible compensation.
1: Well, I, I knew I knew I knew we weren't gonna get um a favorable deal on the on the point chart. You know, I knew they weren't they weren't gonna like take a low ball offer to do it. I knew we had to come strong and and we did, you know, we we came with a third round pick and um obviously where we are we want those picks and we don't want to trade picks, but we felt it was that important to get this player and this person.
0: So a lot of people were wondering, will the Eagles take a quarterback? That possibility was always open. Don't know if it's a smokescreen, but can you now say, after the draft is over, Jalen Hurts has a chance now as the quarterback of the Eagles?
1: Well, you know, it's not my job to determine who the starters are, John. You know, that's why we have a coaching staff, and, and our job is just to try to f- find players and people that fit the vision of what they want to do and, and have those conversations. But I will tell you, you know, J- Jalen's got a lot of talent. Um, he's got tremendous work ethic, tremendous leadership. He's a winner. Uh, and so we're excited to see him get back out on the field.
0: And when you get a Devontae Smith that, you know, played with Jalen before, there's a comfort level, do you feel you've given Jalen pieces on offense if he plays quarterback that he can show or demonstrate that he can be the future quarterback of the Eagles?
1: Well, we got a long way to go before our first game, you know, and and everyone has to rise uh, to the occasion and everyone has to step up their game and everyone has to learn the new systems and everyone has to get accustomed to what our coaching staff is looking for them. But um, we're excited about uh, some of the young skilled guys that we have. We're excited to get our offensive line back and healthy. We think we have really good players there uh, and then we'll go from there.
0: How did it go connecting and aligning with the new coaching staff a completely new coaching staff and getting on the page with them? Because you said you want to give them the players that they can use in their offense or defense.
1: Yeah. I, there was so much conversation, you know, I, I think coach coach and I would say we probably spent more time talking to each other than we did with any, either of our wives and, and we needed to, you know, we really needed to. And, and it, it was anytime we saw a player, you know, and, and I just told this story at my press conference, but you know, there, there was a Sunday night where uh, I'm watching the guys for a second time. I'm circling back on guys and he's viewing them for the first time because that's just how the process worked. And, um, I was watching college basketball. I, I had college basketball on the screen at my home uh, on a Sunday night and, and coach and I both had a list of guys we were going to watch over the weekend. And, and we were watching uh, Kenneth Ganwell. and, uh, I didn't know he was watching him to be honest at the same time. And, and I'm watching him and I'm watching a game I hadn't seen, you know, watching a couple other games that I hadn't seen. And, and there were like three or four plays. And I went, whoa, 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 you know? And, and I grabbed my phone to text him. And he had been texting me about, did you watch this game on Kenneth Gamble? Did you see play 15? And, you know, this is the vision that I'm looking for for this role. And right there, when you can have those kind of conversations, that gives you a chance to really marry front office personnel and coaching staff.
0: And during this draft, you said you did make some mistakes over the past couple years or whatever, maybe reaching or for some positions at some point. How difficult is it to stay disciplined, especially when you do have a needed cornerback and you would like to get a cornerback, but you want to take the best football player that's there for you?
1: Yeah, I I think it's hard, but it's only hard when you don't have a player standing out on your board that you feel like can make a difference. And so, you know, we talked about Devontae in the first round. We talk about the effect we think Landon Dickerson can have. And we're going to be about the lines, John, like that's why we won a championship. You know, you watch the super bowl, you see the effect that the O line of the, the Bucks had and their D line had, and you see it every year, you know, you see it every year. And, and that's how we've always won since I've been here. And, and it's a really good formula. I mean, there's a reason that, you know, in, in the 20 years I've been involved with, it, we've had four losing seasons. It's because we've had good O lines and good D lines. and, and there's also a reason why, you know, we didn't have as good a year last year. We, we got banged up on the offensive line. And, and so for us, like, it, that's going to be our philosophy. And, and when you lo- talk about Landon, then you talk about Milton and those guys and where they were on our boards, those aren't hard picks to make.
0: Now, the second and third round picks, they may not necessarily start this year. They may not. Uh, you have 10 picks now next year in a cleaner draft, as they say. Um, would you call this a rebuild? rebuilding this team through draft picks this year and next
1: year no we're never going to call this a rebuild you know we want to retool we want to get good as quickly as possible you know that's our goal we've seen it happen you know um uh, after coach reed left uh, we we had a situation where there was a lot of the same conversation and we won 20 games the next two years and then coach kelly left and everyone was saying the same thing it was going to take us a long time and um within after one year we we were Back in the playoffs and competing for a championship so you know i'm not promising that amount of time on either of these things but i i promise we're going to do everything we can as quickly as we can to get this point in the right direction and have fun again because you know what it's fun to win football games it's it's fun and it's not fun to lose and um you know there's nothing we're doing other than to try to win as many games as quickly as possible
0: final question for you sometimes A picture can tell us a thousand words, and sometimes it doesn't. We saw what happened in the draft room with Tom Donahoe, but then we saw the video of Jonathan Gannon going crazy over the (laughs) the draft pick, and then Nick Sirianni as well. You have to listen to scouts, coaching staff, analytics, medical people. You're listening to all these voices. Does stuff like that happen a lot in the draft process, or was that something that just stood out this weekend?
1: Yeah. You know what, John, I can't please everyone in this role. You know, we, I talked about it again, you know, the president of the United States, I think his approval ratings is barely over 50%. So if he's not going to be able to do it, I'm certainly not going to be in my role. And, and my job is to do what's right for the football team. My right isn't to, job isn't to make this person happy or that person happy. My job is to do what's right to make sure that We're fulfilling the vision of our coaches. We're fulfilling the long-term vision to do the right thing so we can sustain success, because that's my job towards ownership and our fans. And I can't make everyone happy, you know? And uh, to be honest, it's no one else's role other than mine to balance all those things. You know, they don't understand uh, all the information that I have. They don't have all the information I have, whether you talked about it, it's coaching preferences, it's scouting preferences, it's medical information, it's analytical. I mean, we have psychological reports that go into this too. And and I'm not complaining about that. That's my job. But I get all that information. I have to balance it. And I know a lot of the time there may be one of those groups that goes, well, I would have done that with the information I have. But Uh, The one benefit I have is I have all that information, and I'm going to put it together, and I'm going to make sure that I'm doing what's right for our football team, not only for today, but to go forward so we're competing for championships again, and we're back in the playoffs for a long run. All right, Howie. We appreciate the time. Thank you. Thanks, John. Good seeing you, man. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts.
0: And of course, please subscribe for free to Take Off with John Clark on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast and rate and review it. We appreciate you listening.
1: Who oh am the greatest? Who oh am so flagrant.